2014 was the first time that we started this two-week work with my stint here. At the time Wayne was preaching, he used this verse and he sang a song. Do you want to get up here and sing that song? Oh, no, I'm not doing it. I already told everybody I'm not. <laughs> huh? Oh, feel free. <laughs> That is the verse that we are using uh, for the theme of this meeting as well, as we talk about refocusing on the family. Uh, want to use that idea of the Lord building the house and the Lord building the family, and based on how he, we, he, we should build that house is based on the Lord. We need to dig deep, lay that foundation on the rock that is Jesus Christ, and begin to build that house upon his principles by hearing and doing what he says. This evening, we're going to talk to the wives, husbands. We talked about this earlier, but some of you may not have been here to hear this. You don't need to nudge your wife through the whole thing. Don't let her know where this particular point is that she needs to understand and all those types of things. Just let it work. If she needs to be convicted, she'll be convicted. So we'll just leave it at that. But yes, we are going to talk to the wives. And as we talk about refocusing on the family... You know, in olden days, back in my day, we used to have to turn the radio knob to get to a certain point on the radio if we wanted a station to listen to. We had a particular station in mind. We had to turn it just right to get it, that dial lined up just where we wanted it. Then we have somebody else get in the car and they turn the radio station. They're turning the knob and they're finally trying to get it just finely tuned to get it to that point to listen to what they want to. We're going to talk a lot about uh, wives, and we're going to talk in some generalities, but in some cases you need to refocus to get to the station that you need to be on. In other words, your husband may be a little different than the other husband. I'm not look, trying to get you to be the wife for this guy over here. I'm trying to help you be the wife for your husband. So we get focused in and dialed in on that and refocus on the family and your role within that family. That's the idea this evening. And we're going to talk about, uh, as we look at the standard for marriage that we talked about on Wednesday night, remember this, that Christ is the head and Savior, yet He is to be a servant leader. That's the kind of leader that He is for the church. That He loved the church and that He gave Himself for it so that He might present it to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle. And that's what the husband is responsible to do. And he is to bring oneness to the family as he becomes one with his wife. The church also is to be subject to Christ as that servant leader. We follow him and we do what he says to do. We also see that we are to give reverence to Christ for being our Lord, for being our King. And so we ought to treat him as such, and we are to be at one and union with Christ as he is our head, and we are an extension of that as his body and members of his body. So the husband and wife relationship is pictured in Jesus Christ, and that is the standard 
for all marriages, as we talked about on Wednesday. I want to, uh, for you to recall that as we begin to uh, talk about the wives. We're going to talk about some outstanding qualities of different wives that we find in Scripture. Some of these qualities stand out for the very wrong reasons, but we're going to talk about the outstanding qualities of a wife, and we're going to try to determine what kind of wife are you compared to these women that we find in Scripture. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 4 says, A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. You see, there's an outstanding quality one here one way or the other. One way stands out in that she's excellent or virtuous. The other one stands out because she makes him ashamed. In the New King James Version, it says, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. And the Septuagint says about the rottenness in his bones, it's like a worm in wood. If you think about that imagery that is being provided there, the worm is getting into the wood, and what happens to the wood? It just rots. It's useless. So we see the two different types of wives here. One's outstanding in one way, the other outstanding in the other. So we're going to look at both. First one we're going to look at is, just as a matter of introduction, is Jezebel and Huldah. Jezebel was the wife of a man named Ahab, who was king of Israel, who is, the Bible says about him that he was more evil than all before him. That's the type of man he was, and he went and found a wife named Jezebel that served other gods. He found someone that would agree with him about his stance about God and his people, and she influenced him, and in so doing, influenced an entire nation to do evil. So she had, that was an outstanding quality of her. Now, at the end of her life, it says about her, her life that it was putrid. That's the best. There's another word that the Bible uses, but it was dung. That's what her life was, and her burial was that way. Dogs came and ate her, and all these kinds of things, and no one wanted that name. If you look up uh, 2 Kings chapter 9 and read about the end of her life, that's what it says about Jezebel. That's an outstanding quality about her, is that she was that evil. And she influenced people towards that evil. On the other hand, you have Huldah. Josiah was now king, king of Judah. And he's cleaning out the temple from all the, all the things that were in it from his father before him. All the idolatry and things like that. And he was getting rid of all that stuff. And they found the book of the law. And he had the book of the law read to him. And he rent his clothes and said, we're going to do this. And he influenced the entire nation to do that. Huldah, being a prophetess, came to him and blessed him for that. And said, surely Judah will be taken captive, but not today. Not under your watch. And so she influenced him to make a covenant at that point to do the will of God and to stay true to what he said he was going to do, and he would be blessed. So here we have another outstanding quality of a woman that's bringing blessing on a nation, influencing a nation to do good. So you see the difference in the two in the type of influence that they had. One was evil, and the other that being good. Both outstanding qualities, not necessarily good, and one really good. And Proverbs 31 and verse 10 says, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? This is the kind of woman that is outstanding. 
Matter of fact, in Proverbs 31 and verse 29, many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. That's the same woman that is being talked about here. Ladies, is it okay just to be okay? You understand what I'm asking? Is it okay just to be mediocre? Or are we striving for virtue? Are we striving to be virtuous? To have these outstanding qualities in the good way? And trying to live that way. That's what our aim ought to be. So let's look at some qualities and some outstanding qualities of women, particularly as we look at those things. Let's start in Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Out of, out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found and help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Just like we talked about with the husband. Here God is trying to help find a helper that would be suitable to the man so that he would not be alone. He noticed that he was alone. And so he parades these animals in front of them. And as each one of them come by, he says, no, not that one, not that one. And they keep going by until he has found out that there was no one that would be suitable. I think it was important for Adam to know that nothing would be suitable except what God gave him. And then so he caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And God took a part of the man to make a woman. He did not take a part of the head. In other words, women, you are not the head of the husband. But at the same time, men, he did not take her from the feet. You are not to stomp on her either. Side, companion, helper, comparable to him. That's the idea, or suitable to him. We are to be at one. Wives, you are to be at one with him. To be a companion to him. Let's look at some qualities of some women, these outstanding qualities and their companionship that they shared. And we're going to start with one named Sapphira. In Acts chapter 5, we read a story about, let me back up a little bit and give you a little bit of history. At this time, it was very early in church, in the church of Jesus Christ. And so they had gathered at Jerusalem. Many of them had just moved uh, not knowing that they were going to be moving, and so they had to make a living, and so in some ways they sold everything that they had, they laid everything in the apostles' feet, so when they had something that they needed, the church would then take care of everyone. And everybody was doing this, and Ananias and Sapphira got together and said, hey, let's do this, but do it differently. Let's do it uh, in a way that we gain from this. So they decided to sell everything they have and give a portion to the apostles, and then said... We're giving you all of it. So they kept back part of it for themselves. Now, they have a conversation with Ananias, and Sapphira is not there. And Ananias says, and Peter asked him, said, did you give everything? He said, well, yes, I did. And he said, now, when you had a chance, all that you have, it was yours. You could do whatever you want with it. You didn't have to sell everything you have and give it all to the church. And it would have been better if you'd sold all you have and give part to the church and then just been honest that you were giving a part to the church but because you did this you lied to the Holy Spirit and he was dead and they carried him away to be buried 
And as they were bringing in, burying him, then Peter said unto her, that being Sapphira, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of him of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. You see, Sapphira didn't help her husband. She was not the kind of influence that he needed. He needed someone that would say, Ananias, this is not right. At the very least, Ananias, I cannot go with you on this. I can't agree to this. I can't do it. And she was not that kind of a woman. Instead, she conspired with him. Covetousness, greediness. I don't know what exactly caused, them, caused her to do this. Maybe it's that security that we talked about last night. I don't know. Maybe she didn't, obviously, she didn't trust enough to believe that the church would actually take care of her. All kinds of things may have been going through her head, but she didn't help her husband. On the flip side, we see another woman by the name of Priscilla. And we find her in Acts chapter 18, and she is married to a man named Aquila. And they are together, and they are listening to this man named Apollos preaching. And as Apollos is preaching, he's preaching in error. Now, he's ignorant in this error. He's not trying to lead people astray, but he's in error nonetheless. And so Ananias and Sapphira take him aside together, and they both teach him the ways of God more accurately. And at that point, Apollos goes on and he preaches the word of God accurately. That's what we see in Aquila and Priscilla. And Paul says of Aquila and Priscilla in Romans chapter 16 and verse 3, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have laid, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. You see, Priscilla was right there in the work that Aquila was doing. She didn't fight him on the things that were good and right and honest. And I imagine that if she were in the same predicament that Sapphira was in, she probably would have said, Ananias, we can't do this. Or Aquila, we can't do this. Because she helped him and labored with him, laying down her own life. It says, who uh, have for my life laid down their own necks. He's not just talking about Aquila. He's talking about Priscilla too. So we have this companionship, this oneship that is going on here, helping each other on the team. She's helping him. She's a helper comparable, comparable to him, suitable for him, because she's helping him be better. Wives, help your husbands be better, not worse. Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman, the heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Do him good. Make him better. And we're going to talk about a little bit how to do that. We're not uh, in just a moment. There's certain ways to do that and there's certain ways to not do that. But it's about having that type of relationship that that your husband is your best friend and you're involved with what he was doing in and we talked to the men about how we should be involved in what the women are involved in men or women you need to be involved in what he's involved in be interested in what he's interested in and I know sometimes that's not easy it's not always easy for me to get into antiquing 
It's just not. But if she's going to be my best friend, that's what I need to do. And it's the flip side for the wife. She, if, if he wants to go to a football game occasionally, he's going to want you there. Get to know what's going on and be there with him. And it may not be football, whatever it is for you. It doesn't have to be a sports thing. It could be all kinds of things. I, want, I like going camping and going fishing. I want my wife there with me and my kids. My son yesterday sent me a picture of him have a fish that he caught. I was like, I'm not there with you. That bothers me. I want them with me. I want my wife with me at times to go do those things that I enjoy because I want to share those with my best friend. So wives go with him, okay? And help him to do good and not evil. Another quality we see in Titus chapter 2 and verse 3 says, The aged women, likewise, they be in behaviors becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given them much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Now this is Paul, an apostle who is talking to Titus, and he's saying, Titus, as an evangelist, you, it's not your responsibility to train the young women how they ought to be married and have children and all those things. The evangelist is to encourage the older women to be that kind of a teacher to the young women. So before I really get into the point I want to make, I want to make this point with this passage. Older women. Older is relative. I get that. If you're older than another woman, you're one of the older women. Teach the younger women. Younger women, listen. They have a lot of wisdom. You have something to gain by listening to the older women. They've been there, done that, had the struggles. They've stayed up till 3 o'clock in the morning and then back up at 5 o'clock in the morning and then went and did whatever they had to do. All, they've been there. They've done that. Okay, so older women teach, younger women listen. Let us not be so arrogant and so proud that we can't take instruction from someone who has a lot of wisdom and we have a lot to gain by listening to them. So there's that. Now let's talk about some of the outstanding qualities that is being shown here that she should teach the younger women to live holy and to be dedicated and love her husband and her children. She is taught, being taught here how to love and how to be dedicated to her family. In Genesis chapter 39, this is kind of leading up to a point where in Joseph, Joseph was a son of Jacob. He was the favorite son of Jacob. And it was obvious that he was the favorite. He also had some dreams which caused his brothers to really not like him, and they were already jealous of him, so they decided they were going to kill him. Then they changed the mind because the older brother said, you know, we can't kill him. Let's do something different. Then they decide to sell him into slavery, and so he leaves into slavery, and he becomes to a man by the name of Potiphar. Evidently, Jacob was a, or Joseph was a attractive man. I don't know if that was because he was a godly man. I, I tend to think it was that way. 
that he was a godly man. He was one who worked hard, did his job, but evidently probably a little more than that. But here's Potiphar's wife. He, he becomes, Joseph becomes the second in charge, kind of in charge of the household whenever Potiphar's not there. And so he's there in the house when Potiphar's wife is there in the house. And so she comes to him and says, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. She had wondering eyes. She saw somebody else and thought, That's better than what I got. I want to have him instead of the man that I do have. She's not dedicated to her husband and to her family. She's looking and thinking about someone else, not her husband. Ladies, don't compare your husband to anybody else. Don't tell him if you would only be like, fill in the blank, some actor, some character, some sports athlete or whatever, if you look like that, maybe this would be better, or if you acted that way, or if you would just treat me like whoever. Don't do that to your husband. That's not fair to him. He can't be every man. You want to tune that dial in to your man and get to know him and know who he is and be satisfied in him. Be dedicated to him, faithful to him. It hurts him if you compare him to anybody else, and that includes a character out of a book, out of a movie, or whatever. Or somebody else's behavior and how they're treating his wife. Why don't you treat me like he does his wife? You're probably not the wife that she is. Let's just be honest about it, okay? Why don't you just do your job, do your part? Don't be thinking about somebody else. Be thinking about your husband. And we see the flip side of that in a woman by the name by the name of Ruth. There's four chapters that are dedicated to Ruth, and I know Jacob just preached a sermon on here not too long ago. I listened to that sermon. Excellent job, by the way. Uh, I love the podcast thing because um, I'm able to listen to those things. So I'm not going to get too far, too deep into Ruth, but it starts with a woman by the name of Naomi who was married to a man and they were living in Israel and they had to move because of a, a famine and they go to Moab and they have two sons and her husband dies and her two sons marry two women, Orpah and Ruth. And both of those sons die as well and Naomi decides, I'm going to go back home. And she says to Orpah and Ruth, you should go home too. You are not bound to me. Orpah takes the opportunity to leave. But this is what Ruth says. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. This was a woman that was dedicated to her family. Dedicated to her husband's family. Dedicated to her husband's family that was dead. Not the family that was dead, her husband that was dead. What an honor that would be to know that if I died that, and my mom needed it, that my wife's right there to help take care of her, and I know that's the case. Because she's dedicated to my family. That's the type of dedication. You know, that was hard. You know it had to be hard. She's leaving Moab, her home, and she's going with Naomi, her mother-in-law, not her husband even. 
her mother-in-law. And she says, I'll follow you wherever you go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And that certainly was the case as she followed the customs of the day and ended up marrying one of the kindred of Naomi. And that is a very beautiful picture. If you haven't read the story, read the book of Ruth. Very beautiful in that relationship that Ruth has with her family and how dedicated she was to them. See the outstanding characters? One outstanding characteristic of Potiphar's wife is that she was always looking. She was looking to someone else to fulfill her needs. Ruth found it in her family of her husband. That's the difference. The virtuous woman, she looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. She looks well to the ways of her household. She is dedicated to her home and to her family. Follow the example of the virtuous woman, of Ruth. Another outstanding characteristic, or several actually, in 1 Peter chapter 3, but 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. Likewise, you, likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the, uh, without the word be won by the conversation or conduct of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation or conduct coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Now, first thing I want to notice here is that this is talking about, uh, at least part of what he's talking about, is a wife who does not have a husband who's behaving like a Christian. He's someone who's not a Christian, and she's trying to win him to Christianity. How does she do that? Now, she's not going to go do the evil or encourage the evil like someone like Jezebel or Sapphira. That's not what she's going to do. She's going to encourage him to do good. How does she do that? She submits and she honors him to influence him by her behavior, not by what she says, by what her behavior is, not in how she looks, not in braiding the hair with gold and not of how she looks on the outside, but that person on the inside that influences him to be one so sometimes when your man is not acting like a christian you are you're still supposed to act like a christian you're still supposed to honor and submit to him not in anything in sin don't get me wrong we've already talked about that with sapphira don't get involved in his sin but even when he's not acting like he's supposed to your responsibility is to honor and to submit. To talk about the outstanding qualities, we're going to look at two in the negative. We have Delilah, which we find in, first, or in Judges chapter 16, verses 4 through 22. She is the wife of Samson the strong man. Samson had a, a weakness for the ladies. And he found him a woman that was a Philistine. 
And she was more dedicated to the Philistines than she was her husband. And so she told him, tell me, or she asked him, she wants to know, what is it that gives you your strength? And he told her something that was not true. And the Philistines came after she did what was done. And they came in and tried to take him, and him being a strong man, he whipped them like he should. But she comes along and says, tell me. You didn't tell me the first time. I want to know, what is it? She's trying to get him to tell her. And why he says something again, I don't know. But the same thing happens. He tells her something that's not true. She does it to him. The Philistines come in, and he whips them. And she gets frustrated. And she said unto him, How canst thou say I love thee when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me these three times and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. Oh, he pulled, she pulled out the, the big one. If you love me, you'll tell me. Ladies, don't do that. Don't try to manipulate him into doing something you want him to do. Just honor and submit to him. Honor him enough, respect him enough to take the answer, or not to even ask the question in this case. But she was trying to manipulate him, and he said, she said, if you love me. Another thing, and I'm going to try to word this very carefully, intimacy is not a weapon. Do not pull it out on your husband, okay? That is not building oneness. Okay, intimacy is not a weapon, so don't do it. But then we also see Michael. And her story is 1 Samuel 18 through 2 Samuel chapter 6. And Michael was the daughter of King Saul. King Saul who tried to kill David. He was trying to kill David when he negotiated for him to marry Michael. If you go kill these Philistines, then I'll give you Michael. And he says, I'm not worthy to be in your, in your court, in your family, but I'll go kill him anyway. But he, and then he did. He went and killed him, and so Saul had to give him Michael, and so he did. And in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6, we find that they had gone to get the ark, and they were bringing the ark back after it had been lost under King Saul. And as they're bringing it back, they're celebrating as you would think that they would do. So David is celebrating. At this point, he's married to Michael. And he's dancing in the street. And everybody can see him dancing in the street. And he's dancing to God. And Michael sees that from the window and despises him for it. And then later on in the story, then David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how glorious was the king of Israel today, who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovered himself. How embarrassing to me. And she was disrespectful openly to her husband for him celebrating the fact that the ark of God had come back. Said this to the men, I'm going to say it to the ladies, don't disrespect your husband in front of anybody else. You really shouldn't disrespect him anyway, but... Don't talk down to him in front of everybody else. That's not a good thing to do. And that's exactly what Michael did. And it also, he, she got talked to. Got kind of put in her place. 
And from that point on, she was barren. That was her punishment that she had to bear for disrespecting her husband. Let's not disrespect our husbands, ladies. On the flip side of that, we have Sarah. Now, Sarah did some things she probably, well, not probably, that she shouldn't have done. But she was faithful to her husband. Matter of fact, 1 Peter chapter 3 even talks about and uses her as an example of an outstanding characteristic in how she respected and honored her husband. In Genesis chapter 12, that's where we begin the story about Sarai at the time and Abram. God comes to Abram and he says, I want you to leave your home to a country that I'll show you and I'll make of you a great nation and I'll give you children and through you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Notice verse 5 of Genesis 12. And Abraham took Sarai, or Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their substance they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan and into the land of Canaan they came. You know, that was a sacrifice on her part to go make that journey. But she didn't say, you know what, Abram, I think we ought to stay home. She trusted him. She respected him. She honored his leadership. And she went with him. No fussing, no fighting, no manipulating, no weapons. None of that. There wasn't any disrespectful conversation to say, as she's packing everything up and all the servants are there, she didn't say something like, I can't believe he's moving me out of here away from my family and talking like in a way that's disrespectful about him. You're embarrassing me by the fact that you heard God talk to you. It wasn't like that with her. She just went with him. In the year 2000, I am working, trying to be, be an evangelist. I was getting supported. I was getting supported part-time. Lori was working with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. But at the time, I'm trying to get into full-time church work, not get paid part-time. Still working on that. Um, but uh, at the time, we lived in Oklahoma City, and we were thinking about a move to Tulsa. You know, that's not so far from mom and dad. That was an hour and a half from my parents and about an hour and a half from her parents. It was kind of a good deal as far as that goes. It didn't work out, and I said, Lori, we're going to have to move to Farmington, New Mexico. She said, okay. She didn't argue with me. She didn't disrespect me. There was no manipulating. She knew she was going to miss her parents. She knew that she, we just had a baby. Three months. Isaac was three months old when we left for Farmington, New Mexico. Not once did she disrespect me. I knew she didn't want to go. <laughs> Not really. But she was willing to go. And I see Sarai here doing the very same thing. She was willing to go to some foreign country. And believe me, Farmington's like a foreign country. We were 12 hours now from my parents. 14 from hers. That's a long way. That's in a car. In a plane, it was about nine. <laughs> Didn't really change. Because you're driving three hours to the car anyway, or to the airport. Didn't really help. Support, encourage, strengthen, respect, honor your husbands. Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman, her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. 
She maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She's respectful. She was respectful to everyone. But her husband is known in the gates. She respects him. She honors him. She puts him in that type of a situation. You know, you picked him. You chose your husband. Not many of us have arranged marriages anymore. So you chose your husband. That means you chose to submit to him. Submit. Be that kind of a virtuous woman. The next example we're going to look at, I don't know if she was married. I don't know if she was single. I don't know if she was divorced. I don't know if she was a widow. I don't know. But it really doesn't matter where you are. If you're single, married, widowed, divorced, follow this example. Acts 9 and verse 36. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds which she did, and it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And forasmuch as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter rose and went with them. When he has come, they brought him into the upper chamber. That's where she was. And all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. Be this kind of a woman that is a blessing to everyone that she comes in contact with. That she blesses them by giving of herself, by making these things like she made and giving those to the widows. And she was honored because of the type of person that she was. You see those outstanding qualities in her. Elevate yourself to that level. That's what our aim ought to be. Who can find a virtuous woman for a price as far above rubies? Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. You work on excelling for your husband, being the wife that you ought to be. And you will become indispensable to him. You will be valuable to him, and he won't be able to let you go. That's the kind of wife. Excel to that. Have those outstanding qualities. When it all comes down to it, we're all servants. We are all brides. We're all the wife of Christ, unless we have not obeyed the gospel. And I would encourage you to submit to that here this evening, that you would be married to Christ, that you would be his bride, that he might present you glorious without spot and without blemish. If you need to come to Jesus Make that vow to him that you would commit to him. Do that here this evening. Or if you need prayers of the church, because maybe in your family, whatever role you play, maybe you've not been quite as focused as you ought to be and you want to refocus. We're here to help one another. We are all members of his body to help in that way. So if you need to obey the gospel or, and, or you need the prayers of the church, and our prayer ought to be to make me a servant, whatever role that is. 